Hello you plonkers and welcome back to a new episode of Only Goats and Horses with Bread Roll and JT and this week we're taking a look at The Russians Are Coming which came out on the 13th of October 1981 so there's no cock-ups with the uh, app or anything it will be coming out to you exactly 40 years from when it aired and this is Series 1 Episode 6. Indeedy, Bredwell. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll get it out on time. Um, 8.8 million viewers for this one. So it kind of went up. The the last couple of episodes have hit the around sort of seven to seven and a half million. So this one kind of peaked again at nearly nine million. And maybe it's because officially it was the last episode of the series, wasn't it? There's a, a Christmas special that aired a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, which we'll talk about next week. But this was officially the last episode of series one. Oh, that's interesting because I didn't know. Um, obviously, Christmas Cracker is the one that's coming up and that's what series one ends with. I didn't realise that was actually billed as a Christmas special. I thought it was just an end of like the the, um, the series. But I was thinking earlier when I was watching this one, the way it kind of ends and the camera pans out, it does feel like it is wrapping up a series. Um, but yeah, I didn't know Christmas crackers because obviously normally the Christmas specials as we go on, they're quite they're almost feature length, aren't they? Really? Yeah. Um, and that one is obviously just normal episode length, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, it is. And I had to um, Google that. I'm not going to lie, just to make sure. Yeah, it, it, it aired on the 28th of uh, December, Christmas cracker. So good couple of months after this one. So yeah, it looks like it was just a standalone episode, but it's been tacked on to the end of season or series one sorry should i say for the dvd purposes oh fair i did read as well again this is wiki not me off the top of my head um this is actually based on a true story uh, john sullivan was reading about it which involved a group of people who buy a load of lead and build an air raid shelter out of it so he does get a lot of um a lot of the episodes and only falls are based on or inspired by true stories that he's read in the old local fish wrappers over his time <laughs> yeah, I did read that as well. And I, I guess when, you know, you're you're thinking, you're maybe, what, 64 episodes, you've got to kind of base things on real life experiences and things that you, you know, that have happened around you and you've read about. So yeah, fair play to him. But I read the same thing earlier on Wiki. So it must be true, Brad Ralph. We both read it. Exactly. And if it's on Wiki, then it may as well be gospel. It's in the Magna Carta pretty <laughs> much, isn't it? So. <laughs> Indeed. This one's got another weird extra 19 seconds on itunes as well it seems to run for 30 minutes 23 seconds whereas a dvd runs for 30 minutes 14 seconds so yeah again itunes people get an extra 19 seconds of random nothingness i imagine yeah i wonder although normally it's only like three or four seconds which couldn't amount to jackal really but 19 seconds that's almost enough for an extra like a joke or like a maybe like a little (laughs) extra scene i wonder if there is anything in that um, I doubt it. Although I do have an iPhone, obviously, so maybe I'll um I'll delve into iTunes and watch it. But don't hold your breath. <laughs> well, should we um should we take a look at the uh, synopsis for this one then, JT? Indeed, Bradwell. Yeah, I've, I've pulled this off Wiki, and it's actually um it's quite short, but it kind of does sort of um 
give everything really that we need to discuss. This has always been one of my least favorite episodes, and we said that last week. Um, and watching it again earlier, yeah, um, we'll we'll cover it as we go on. So yeah, this is the uh, synopsis pulled off wiki. Del Boy purchases a pile of bricks and discovers several boxes of lead underneath. Rodney discovers, in some old paperwork found with the lead, that it's for a do-it-yourself nuclear fallout shelter. This episode was first screened during the Soviet-Afghan War, and Rodney persuades Dell that with the fear of World War III upcoming, they should build the shelter rather than sell it. Dell agrees to test, it out, test out living in the shelter over the weekend. Several potential locations for the shelter, including Grandad's allotment and Grandad's own idea of an area in the New Forest, prove unworkable, as a trio are unable to beat the four-minute warning due to being pulled over by the police. The rest of the episode is set in the shelter, but a conversation turns to war and Grandad, uh, and sorry, and the potential aftermath of the impeding conflict. Dell suggests that the present generation of British youngsters have been denied their birthright of a war, which sparks an angry response with Grandad, because a sombre war is hell speech. The episode ends with Dell dreaming aloud of what could become of the world in the event of a nuclear fallout, while the camera zooms out to reveal the location of the Trotters' fallout shelter, which is on the roof of their tower block, Nelson Mandela House. So a pretty short synopsis there, but 90% of this episode is kind of set inside the shelter, isn't it? I was going to say, yeah, I mean, that is kind of like in a nutshell, but it is a short, not a short and sweet episode lengthwise. It's the average length, but it, it does feel like it moves along a bit quick because, like you say, it's mostly just them um, sat in the shelter talking. And you mentioned just before you did the synopsis there about this being one of your more least favourite episodes. I'm exactly the same. This is probably overall my least watched episode. Um, I don't know what it is about it. It's just, obviously, there's a few points I got here about watching it earlier. I didn't dislike it as much as I remember disliking it, but... I don't know, it doesn't really kind of grip me, this one. It's weird. It seems like more of like a drama than a comedy, in, in, in a way, this particular episode. Yeah, I think when we've talked about Only Fools, which we do, obviously, very often, and then, obviously, which has led to these podcasts, we've always said this has been pretty much our least favourite episode. And, you know, if it's on gold, because I do have gold on in the background quite often, and this episode does seem to appear fairly regularly on gold, I don't know why, um, I will watch it, but I certainly don't pay as much attention to it as some of the other episodes. Um, and yeah, watching it again earlier, it's it's not terrible, because I don't think any of the episodes are terrible, but not a lot really happens, does it? No, not particularly. And um, one thing I've got to mention, as always, is uh, just doing the old-fashioned update. <laughs> what the bloody hell has Rodney got wrapped around his neck in this? He's got like some kind of like... <laughs> scarfy shoulder. He looks like he's about to do a tour in Afghanistan. I don't know why he's wearing it. He's like he's trying to go for like this punk rebel phase. He's got a t-shirt on as well that says like UK Decay. And I swear at one point he's wearing eyeliner. I mean I wear eyeliner. I've obviously I've done for years and stuff, but it just looks really out of place on Rodney. It's like he's going for like this whole kind of sex pistols kind of phase or something. Yeah, I always um pick up now on the fashion because I know you're gonna mention it. Yeah it's it's some kind of weird fucking huge scarf thing, isn't it? It's like a snood. Is that what they're called? But <laughs> I don't know. But I'm, I'm not really into that kind of fashion. But he, he wears it at the start, doesn't he? When Dell's um, at the building site, wherever he's got these bricks from that has the lead underneath. And yeah, I, I did pick up on that because I knew you'd mentioned the fashion. Dell also wears his uh, sort of duck blue sort of um, body warmer again as well in this episode for a little bit, doesn't he? 
He does, yeah. And in the start of the episode, he looks like he's just done a round of golf. He's got this little kind of like <laughs> cardigan on with a little like diamond print colour effects going on, hasn't he? I mean, I mean, Dale, like we know, usually has like three or four changes of clothes per episode. And poor bloody Rodney and Grandad, they just wear the same old crap from start to finish, usually. <laughs> yeah, speaking of that, it's late on in the episode. I was going to get to it as we ran through it. But now you've just mentioned Dale and his uh, sort of changes of clothes. I'll mention it now. He um he is in a like a dressing gown, and then he changes into another dressing gown. Have you, did you notice that he's got like a, a black <laughs> yeah. one on, and then he puts like a white one on, or like a pair of pajamas or something? I'm like, he's just changing out of one into another. The thing is, though, he's got like these like like you say, he's dressing gowns, but he's in some manky fucking fallout shelter that they build atop like Nelson Mandela house, and he's just walking around with his like dopey little dressing gown on. <laughs> I'd be in like, like I probably wouldn't even like put my pajamas on. I just like I ain't like getting undressed in here. It's a bit dodgy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just sleep in my boxes anyway. But that's uh, another story. But he's also <laughs> brought like um, cereal and stuff with him. There's like packets of uh, I think it's Rice Krispies and that in the background. And obviously he's pouring out. He's brought a bottle of scotch with him, so he's got the essentials. And he smashes that bottle pretty quick, doesn't he? He does. That made me laugh, actually. I've actually got it in my notes. That obviously, they're doing like a dry run, aren't they? Like a weekend or 24 hours in here. And there are a few cans, but I couldn't clock them. But mainly their diet looks like it's going to be whiskey and Rice Krispies. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great diet, if I have to say myself. But um, it, right at the start, when he's um, he's there with Rodney and he's saying, I've bought these bricks. And they're, they're just sort of staring at this pile of bricks in this derelict kind of building site, wherever it is. Who the fuck has he bought those bricks off? It's like, and then he um he moves about two, and then all the leads underneath, as if no one would have noticed that was under there. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's not just that; it's not just one box, but he says there's loads under there, doesn't he? Like yeah, one like three where tons he, worth. He, speaking of the three tons, like he mentions to Rodney, like there's three tons of lead here, which is um, and Rodney works out that's probably worth about a thousand pounds back then, 1981. I looked online today, and in today's market. One ton is probably worth about a grand. So this shows obviously the the uh, value of lead has gone up. It hasn't sort of deteriorated over the years. It's still quite sore after. Yeah, I mean it's quite um, a thing, isn't it? Lead um, people steal it off of roofs and stuff and everything. Obviously, um, Dell in uh, the episode later on, uh, Miracle of Peckham steals the lead off the church roof, doesn't he? So it's a, it's a thing, and there's, there's definitely money in lead even to this day, but. Yeah, it's just it's a bit strange, isn't it? That no one noticed all this lead was underneath these couple of bricks that Dale just shoves to one side, and there it all is. And then he says um, about putting it in the van, and Rodney it's like, "No, I'm not really into that." And the next thing, poor old Grandad shoveling this lead upstairs, and Rodney's just sat there. Where where did Grandad come into this? Because he's he's not with them at the uh, the building site, and then suddenly he's carrying the boxes upstairs with Dale. Yeah, yeah, that was a bit strange. Stranger still, though, he's like, there was like, oh, yeah, we'll take it back to the flat. We could do it in a few trips. It's like, so that's three tons of lead in that crappy three-wheel van. It'll probably clap <laughs> out putting, like, one box of it in there. I'm surprised they, they've been able to, like, shift it with that van. Yeah, you'd think it would take them about a week to get it back. But, I mean, obviously, we're not supposed to think about those kind of things, I guess. Maybe looking a bit too deep into that. <laughs> Yeah, there's also a mention here. Um, there's quite a bit of military stuff, and a bit later on, Grandad does like a pretty, a good like kind of emotional speech. Um, but they also mention the good old Harrier jump jets as well, which were retired back in uh 2011. I think they got retired. I used to love them. I think they were such a cool little jet, and I'd actually forgotten about them for a while. But that's a good old British 
you know, RAF standard, that one back then. Yeah, the old vertical takeoff, weren't they, the Harriers? Literally, you yeah. really need a runway, just take straight off. I mean, I used to go to um, air shows with my old man when I was a kid, and we, we used to see the Harriers and all these old jets, the Tornadoes, and uh, yeah, um, good old days when we actually had some kind of army, not trying to go down that political route. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where I live, well, not too far away, we've got the old Boscombe Down airfield now, and I used to go to air shows there as well, and used to be all kinds going on, but don't get much of that now, but I just really like to mention that as a kid, I used to love that. I used to be my favorite jet. I used to buy the old, um, like the Airfix models and stuff. I used to buy loads of them and build up a bunch of Harrier jets. Yeah, no, good, good times, Bradwell. Yeah, I used to love the old air shows. <laughs> One bit as well, when, um, when they're doing their first dry run for the uh, four minute warning and they run out to the van, and then granddad is like, struggling he's behind him obviously he can't move very fast they run off and grab him and drag him back to the van his fucking shoes come off and everything poor bloke's being dragged along isn't he by the scruff of his neck almost yeah this is where rodney's got that stupid scarf on again but did you notice and now i don't know if it was there as kind of like a stunt thing or to protect leonard pierce the actor or if it's something they'd had in the back of the van because i don't think they've ever had it before but when they fucking shove him in there because they just launch him in the back of it there's like a crash mat the sort of one you used to get in PE, like the the, comp- the soften it as they threw him in there. And I imagine it's just there, obviously, so he didn't actually hurt himself when he got launched in. But I don't know if you noticed it in the back. It was quite, um, like, it stood out pretty clearly. No, I didn't, actually. That's that's um, strange and a good spot because um, I noticed his shoes coming off as they're dragging him, but I didn't notice the mat as they shoved him in. Oh, I remember those bloody PE mats. They, Although they were supposed to protect you and, like, be soft, they were fucking hard as nails. Yeah, they were crap, weren't they? <laughs> <I'd be> like, <laughs> yeah. all right, fall backwards, and you nearly gave yourself a bloody concussion. I would have rather just yeah. fall down on concrete. It wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah, exactly. No, they weren't. They weren't great at all. They certainly weren't very padded. Um, I do like the bit. Um, I think this episode's better at the start until they get to the air raid shelter um, when they're on the uh, the dry run for the four minute warning, and the copper pulls Dale over. And obviously he knows him and he, he, he asks him, doesn't he, if he's seen any uh, dodgy gear he's going on holiday with his wife. And um, it kind of alludes to Dell very much later on in one of the last episodes, I think. It might be the one with, one with Slater, where he says he knows a lot of coppers and he doesn't like them, but they're all fair game. Because he, he has quite a bit of sort of friendly banter with this copper, doesn't he? He does, yeah, because he sort of he's driving around because the copper kind of pulls him over, doesn't he? But he doesn't actually write him up or bollock him. He's just like, oh, you know, watch it, basically. Mm. I've got to give a um, obviously you know about your motors. That's, is that like a Ford Capri that police car, something along those lines? I think it's a Mark One Escort bread roll, which uh, my Mark old one. man had back in the day. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's, it's some kind of Ford. I think it's a Mark One Escort. And it's got the old Nina siren, doesn't it? Apart. You know, as opposed to the woo-woos we get these days. I'm thinking very technical. That's it, man. That's, that is technical. <laughs> but it's like fucking baby blue. Were our police cars really that colour once? I know we used to have the old school kind of like jam sandwich and everything back in the day, but do we actually have baby blue like police cars? Yeah, I don't know. I noticed that as well. I, I guess we did. I mean, I, I was alive in these days. Yeah, I was young. Um, but yeah, I suppose we did. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a it's a real police car. Ah, oh, fair play. Now, one thing um, I was going to mention to you earlier, because I might have missed something in one of the other episodes, 
So Grandad, when they're in the shelter and stuff, and Dale's taking the piss out of like the war, like Grandad, it's like, you know, war's no laughing matter. And he actually does. Like Leonard Pierce delivers this really good kind of talk about war and what, you know, the horrifying side of it, which is fair play. Um, and he mentions that his brother George fought in Passchendaele, which was a World War One um, affair, which lasted between 31st of July 1917 to the 10th of November 1917. Now, I know Uncle Albert, when we meet him, he's like, oh, you know, during the war. And he mentions World War Two, And I can't remember ever hearing about George before. He might have heard him once or twice, but he would have had to have been about 82 by the time this episode came around. Because it's like 64 years between World War One and this episode coming out. And he mentions that he would have been 18, but he pretended to be 14, so he didn't get drafted, which would make yeah. him 82. And, you know, I always thought, like, so... How old is Grandad supposed to be? Because we know Albert fought in World War Two. I don't know how old Grandad's supposed to be, but this George guy who's like hardly been mentioned, like how old was he and where did he come into it? And he fought in World War One. I. I just thought the timing felt a bit weird. That's a really good shout and something I'd, I'd never even thought of. Yeah, that, that is a bit weird. Um, yeah, but like you say, Leonard Pierce's speech is, is quite sombre, isn't it? It kind of brings the whole episode down a notch. I mean, it's not a particularly funny episode anyway, but he's certainly... Um, knocks it on the head when he comes up with that speech. But yeah, it's really good. But yeah, I'd never thought of that. And this George guy, he doesn't really ever get mentioned to my knowledge again or before. Maybe John Sullivan, when he wrote that, wasn't thinking of continuity or anything. It was just something he, he put in for this particular episode. Yeah, because the only time I can remember, I think George m- maybe being mentioned, and you might be able to correct me, is the episode where Albert first comes into it. He mentioned, oh, there was like, oh, I thought Uncle George was my godfather. And I swear that's the only other time we hear that kind of reference. Was it Uncle George or Brother George, something like that, um, is my, gra- um, whatever it is, forgot what the fucking thing is now, godfather, godfather. that's the one. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, I just thought the timing felt really strange. It's like, so that's two wars apart that, you know, both Albert and George would have fought in and they're technically brothers. Yeah, yeah, you're right. He does get mentioned in that episode. Um, and I think Dell says, yeah, I thought George was supposed to be my godfather. And then the insurance guy or Albert says, yeah, and I drew, or he drew the short straw. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd never put two and two together there, but you're right. Yeah, good spot, Redwell. Yeah, we also get um, a bit, I don't know, it's dodgy. I suppose it is in a way. I don't think it's intended to be, but there's like this whole bit where like Rodney, like they're talking about like when the bombs have hit and like what they're going to do afterwards stuff. And he's going on about like girls and like school girls in their uniforms and stuff, isn't he? He's going a bit fucking creepy <laughs> in that stage. <laughs> yeah, I've got exactly the same thing here. Obviously, we know Rodney likes uniforms, um, but police uniforms seem to be his thing. But yeah, it's a little bit a little bit creepy, isn't it? He goes on about these schoolgirls and how, you know, and his eyes light up when he's talking about them. Even Dell's like, was it why am I even talking about this? And Dell's like, Because you're a pervy little sicko or something. He's like, Oh yeah, that's <laughs> probably why. So he kind of admits to it, but um yeah, it's a little bit dodgy, isn't it? It is, yeah. And it's like they even make a thing later on, like Dell says, Oh, one of them would be like seventeen, but I just thought that is a little bit yeah, I mean, you know, don't agree with any of that sort of shit any way, shape or form. Um, really, but I just thought, man, that just seems like a little bit too creepy. Like, usually they joke about Rodney's kind of, like, perversions and stuff. I thought, man, you're really, like, you're on a line right here and you're about to cross it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's going down the Jimmy Savile road, isn't it? Or road. <laughs> so we'll, we'll just brush over that, I think, a little bit. Um, 
they um they managed to build that shower pretty quickly and pretty successfully as well. I mean, it's pretty bang on, isn't it? When they're inside it, there's no like bits hanging off, and it, it all looks like it's been built pretty quickly. And uh, from my experience of building things, oh, I'm fucking shit at it, but um, they did a good job there. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and then, especially when you look at the people involved, Rodney, Dell, and Grandad. <laughs> I mean, see, it took him like all that effort to get the lead up there, then up on, onto the roof and stuff. I mean, I used to go camping as a kid and I could barely put up a fucking tent. I wouldn't be able to put one of these things up, but they look like they do it like made to measure, don't they? They've got the little air infiltration or filtration unit or just a pipe or whatever it is. They've got, Dell's nicked the car's the ante off a building site, so they've got a toilet <laughs> to get. <laughs> yeah, of course he has. Yeah, I thought they did a good job there. I mean, going back to uh, camping in tents, when I used to go to festivals, it was the old pop-up tent. Just fucking pull a thing and it pops up and you just, pin it to the floor and you're in yeah putting up a tent is beyond me i'm afraid <laughs> and then they make it's... the old um sorry go go for it no i was just gonna say and also dell dreaming of what he can do with the grand you know it's like obviously this is 40 years old but he's he's talking like he's gonna win the lottery with this one thousand pounds i mean you can't even buy a fucking decent iphone with a grand these days let alone you know dell's pretty much setting up his life with this one thousand pounds worth of lead didn't he I know it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, we know Dell is a dreamer and he is a bit far fetched with his ambition, but yeah, a grand doesn't go anywhere these days. I mean, not, I mean, if you had a grand in your pocket to spend willy nilly, then yeah, you could probably have a good day out of it, but it doesn't actually do much when you're planning your future. No, it's like he's, like, say, planning the rest of his life on this £1,000 of a lead he's got. But it's, um, it's just um, a bit of a quick fire episode, isn't it, to end a, a series with? Um, I, like I said, I didn't dislike it as much as I remember disliking it, but it's not, again, not one that really shouts out to me. If, like, if I was like, oh, I'm going to put on an episode of Only Fools and Horses, this probably wouldn't be one I'd sort of like pinpoint and stick on specifically to watch. No, no, definitely not. And I don't know if um, John Sullivan had Series 2 in mind, you know, if he knew it was coming back. Because obviously we, we said that the ratings went sort of down a fair bit, but then they did peak again with this one. So... Maybe he was thinking this would be the last ever episode he did. I don't know. I don't know what his thought was behind it because it's not really an end to a series, is it? It's just something of nothing. Yeah. I mean, I know the show did struggle and maybe BBC were on the fence about renewing it at this stage. We didn't know if he had season two in the bag. And then obviously, like you mentioned, that um, Christmas Crackers one, which we're doing next week, that comes along to end this one up. What was obviously a few months down the line, but... Yeah, maybe it just took him a while to negotiate season uh, series two. So he didn't know what he was doing. He just thought, right, I've got some ideas. I'll write it in. And if they don't renew me, it's no great loss. Maybe he didn't want to set something up too big with the thought yeah. that he might not have been able to finish it. Yeah, because, I mean, we're talking about modern TV now, but series these days always end on a cliffhanger, don't they? Um, and you just hope they get renewed because if they don't, you're like, fuck, that was a bit of a bit of a shit ending really because I'm never going to know what happens and this this doesn't so but I mean this is like I say 40 years old so things were a lot different back then one thing I will say though although it's not a particularly good episode the um the scene in the air raid shelter at the end I think from probably about the last five minutes looks like it's all one continuous shot doesn't it I think Dell gets changed into his second set of pajamas and then, unless it's some really good editing, which I'm pretty sure wasn't a thing back then, it's just one continuous 10-minute shot. So, fair play. 
Yeah, yeah, it must have been. I suppose because of the angle, because you only see like two walls, don't you? Because you've got like yeah. Rodney and Dell kind of sleeping at sort of like a corner angle. And then the camera's kind of over granddad, isn't it? And it just sort of slowly comes back as Dell and Rodney are sort of waffling on and chatting. Um, but yeah, you're right. Those are pretty straight up shot. And I wonder how that would have been done. I'm just thinking for how small the environment was to give the impression of this shelter with a live audience or whether they played it and they didn't have the live audience for this bit. It would have been interesting to see. Yeah, we probably should have researched that. Um, I, I doubt if it was done on set. I would have thought they may have, if they had a live audience, they may have played that as like a you know a video to them to get their reaction. I wouldn't have thought that had been done on set. I don't know because it's quite a confined little space, isn't it? It is, yeah. And there's actually not much of this episode that's done in the trot flat. There's only that one scene where they bring the lead upstairs um, and then they chat about it, which is probably, what, five minutes, perhaps. Um, the rest of it is either on the building site at the start and then, like I say, the second half of the episode is all in this shelter. So the live audience probably wouldn't have had much to contribute to this one. Yeah, it's probably one of those episodes where you're like, oh, I've got tickets to see Only Fools. And then you go to see that one, oh, for fuck's sake, that was a bit shit. So I didn't really <laughs> see much. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it still still amazes me that they had a live audience back then. I mean, things were so different, weren't they? And so much better in a way. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, was, I quite like some of these old shows, especially, like you say, with the live audience and everything. I think when you're doing comedy, that's got to be so much better for the actors, hasn't it, to give them something, people reacting to their jokes, because otherwise you could deliver a line and you don't know if you've done it well or it's been effective until it airs and everyone's like, well, that came across a bit shit. I suppose if you've got the live audience and the way it's shot, it just gives that kind of more organic feel. Yeah, and I, I think comedy, particularly in the 90s with the canned laughter, some of it just doesn't work. You either have a live audience or you don't have laughter let the people actually watching it at home laugh rather than forced canned laughter, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't yeah. um I don't really have much else to say about this episode, JT. I don't know about yourself. No, no, not really, Breadroll. There's one bit and I'm not gonna say the word, but Dell does use a, a derogatory word for um a certain shop, which, you know, was the thing back then you said it and it's still in the D V D version, but I know full well it's cut out of the uh the version on gold i'm sure you know what word i'm gonna i'm, I'm talking about i'm not gonna say it um and i was like oh yeah that was um that was off the time that that phrase yeah yeah definitely i've actually got a note of that here that he um does that one there is one bit he said that makes me laugh um he's talking about like the radiation like dell is and he's like oh, i'd rather just go out there and you know die instantly from radiation and rodney turns around and goes die instantly from radiation it's Strotonum 90, not Nescafe. <laughs> yeah, I did like that as well. And I was going um, to I was gonna use that as my closing line, actually, bread roll. But I've got another one. Oh, so don't sorry. Worry. <laughs> no, I've got another one. It's okay. Because I thought we might mention that as, as we were talking about the episode. Yeah. And then he goes on about the fact that it takes like, I said I didn't have anything else to say, but here I am with loads of fucking bullet points. Sorry. <laughs> but he says, like, obviously, if they wanted to survive in there for like the two years or whatever, it's going to take like, what is it, 1,450 batteries. And they got like these massive industrial batteries that were huge back then. They'd probably still be quite big nowadays, but be like, fucking hell, you'd only fit about 20 of them in that bloody bunker. Yeah. I mean, before we do wrap it up, this is so much again of the time of the early 80s when uh, the Cold War and we basically thought that the Russians were going to attack. And obviously they never did. And hopefully they never will. I mean, it's not really a thing anymore. 
Um, but yeah, it's so of its time, isn't it? Just that thought, the Russians are coming, obviously, is what the episode's called. Yeah, yeah, it's all that kind of, like you say, that Cold War, Tinker Taylor, soldier spy sort of aftermath, mm. isn't it, really? So, yeah, it's just it's just funny looking back at this sometimes, thinking, man, that's what people were thinking back then. That's, you know, sign of the times, isn't it? You know, 40-odd years ago. Yeah, it's almost not a political episode, but it kind of just rings of that era, probably more than any other episode in this series, I think, just the thoughts that were, were around back then. Yeah, I mean, as we've said in some of our previous episodes when we originally did our podcast, like Only Fools is such a great show because it can do comedy and it can do drama at the same time and do it really well. And this feels like one of those episodes that first touched on that. Like there is a lot of drama in here and I just don't think the balance was quite right. But I think it's probably John Sullivan experimenting with what he could do with how he could tell stories within this Only Fools and Horses kind of world that he'd created. Yeah, I mean, it was still very early days, wasn't it? And he as we've said earlier, he may not have even known if he was ever going to progress this. I don't know. I don't know what the situation was back then. So maybe he was just playing with a few ideas and seeing what worked. Yeah. So that is that is now me done with this episode. I don't <laughs> have any ever notes um, in the woodwork, unless you've got anything else to add there, JT? No, Bredra. I think I'm, I'm pretty much done. And as, as we said at the start, this technically is the last episode of Series 1, apart from the random... Christmas special so in a way it must have done quite well for them to to commission the Christmas special I guess because it was two two and a half months later so must be doing something right for them to get that otherwise that wouldn't have ever happened I guess. Yeah maybe it was that spike in viewers you know at the last knock-ins for this episode that um, spurred them on they're like all right go and then we'll give it another chance because it did you know peak up in interest slightly from the uh, weeks before so yeah maybe we'll uh Maybe I'll try and get a bit of research in before we do next week's episode and see how it all went down. <laughs> yeah, you never know. We might actually do something professional, but um, I wouldn't bet. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, as always, to our listeners out there, thank you very much for joining us as we talk about Only Fools and Horses, one of our favourite subjects. If you'd like to get in touch with us, then please do so on Twitter at the Hyperbaric Goats, where you can follow our movie podcast and, of course, Only Goats and Horses and stay up to date with all our comings and goings. And if you have any favourite episodes of Only Fools or anything you're looking forward to hearing, then do let us know. We look to uh, try and respond to everyone who messages us. Um, yeah, so that's it from Bread Roll this week. Yeah, not really much else for me to say, but yeah, definitely reach out to us on Twitter. We are going through every single episode one by one, some better than others. Obviously, this week was um, not one of our favourites, but still not a bad episode in its own right. But um yeah, next week we're on to a Christmas special in the middle of no oh, October, in fact. I was going to say November then, getting ahead of myself. So, um, <laughs> yeah, not really much else to say, Bread Roll. I don't know if you've got anything else. No, I'm done. I will not waffle anymore. But I look forward uh, to you all joining us next week for our first Christmas special. Indeedy. So from me, JT, I've just got one last thing to say. I'll have the one with the three lug holes and the eye underneath her arm. Because I don't fancy yours much. No income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or poor, we'll cut prices at a straw. God bless Lucky Street.